3: Thank you. Thank you. Welcome welcome to the Hushville Black Forum. Hey it's Saturday, January twenty fifth of twenty twenty. Uh we're in the uh I guess you could say the second week of uh the impeachment trial. The impeachment trial of President Donald John Trump. Uh as you know if you've been following this thing for uh the House managers or the prosecuting uh, managers from the House of Representatives uh, wrapped up their argument last night. I guess it was about nine o'clock. Oh, at what time it was about nine o'clock last night? I mean, they they used until uh, of the twenty-four hours allowed allotted them over three-day a three-day three period. They used like twenty-three and a half hours and put on a real, in my estimation a real strong convincing uh, case uh for uh, the two articles of impeachment that was uh uh brought forward uh against this uh sitting president and, uh, uh I don't I don't know uh the defense uh started their uh rebuttal if you will uh this today uh
2: I don't know, you know, like uh, they went for two hours.
3: But uh, I don't think, you know, it looked like uh, the majority of the senators, you know, they got 53 Republicans and 47 Democrats. And the majority has already uh, uh, got their opinion baked in, even though they took an impartial oath to be... uh, impartial about the whole thing, kind of listen to the evidence and then uh, uh, make their decision at the conclusion of it. But I don't think, you know, I'd be really shocked after listening to three days of uh, the House managers and two hours of uh, the president's defense today Uh, if any of those senators had made up their mind already, I'd be equally surprised that uh, if any of them uh, don't know already that this guy is guilty and unfit for office. Now,
2: that is my belief uh, that and yet, I don't believe
3: that's gonna be enough to uh get a conviction uh and that bring me back to my <laughs> my uh recommendation that uh we we need more than ever now a twenty eighth amendment to kind of put some guidelines into uh uh the uh impeachment uh proceedings uh yeah when, and i was just thinking you know i read that uh my uh impeachment uh uh outline a couple of weeks ago i guess and uh one of the things that uh i i, I said in it that uh it probably uh, uh needed tweaking whoever uh uh that stone to politicians, that is, would uh, probably uh, add some uh, tweaks to it. And one of the things that I, just looking at the trial and, uh, that I've came up with is uh, one of the articles in that uh, clarification amendment need to be, I won't say uh, 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 a language spelling out, uh, giving the uh, House managers authority to call witnesses when they move this thing to the Senate. Uh because uh, what's happening now is all politics. It's all politics. Politics uh should be taken out of it when it comes to uh, impeaching the president and trying him it should be completely nonpartisan. Uh, one of the things uh uh, uh that I would add is the uh, uh, ability for the managers as prosecutors, when they bring this trial to the Senate, they have the ability to call witnesses along with the president's uh, legal team. They should have equal uh, uh, rights to call witnesses to prop up their arguments to present facts on uh in their behalf. Uh we the people cannot cannot allow such an important such an important
2: uh, uh occasion uh such an important uh, uh, uh
3: proceeding as a uh, as the impeachment of the president to go without uh, um, our uh, best uh, uh, interests. We the people have have to demand a, a non-partial trial here. Yeah, we the people, we have to demand that
2: uh, the Congress act non-partial in terms of the trial. There has
3: to be a non-partial uh, uh, thing there. And one of the ways now, obviously, if some of them are Democrats, some of them are Republicans. and uh, They can have their views, but when it comes to uh, presenting evidence to the American people, the American people has to see. We, the people, have to uh, see uh, all of the evidence that can be brought uh, forth uh, in this uh, impeachment proceeding. And and like I said, I I, I laid out in my... uh, and my uh outline originally that uh there uh, should be some uh, a guidelines now some of the things that uh uh i laid out in the vein that uh there should be a time period no doubt for uh uh, uh for the uh for the whole thing uh um, uh And and just in stages, a a time limit for uh, the Speaker of the House to transmit the Articles of Impeachment to the Senate. Uh, I said maybe 30 days or whatever that would be. And then then during a 30-day period that the Speaker has, the Senate has, this is one of the things that I would require, that the uh, uh, Senate has to uh, work in a bipartisan fashion This need to be in the 28th Amendment has to work in a bipartisan fashion uh, on coming up with a framework for the impeachment itself. But then we're going to take some of that uh, burden off of them by um, putting in there adding in there. And I'm just going to put this down to the bottom here. Uh, uh, Let's see. Four. I got three. Let's say four. House managers,
2: house managers have to have authority to uh, subpoena witness a subpoena when they bring the trial to Senate when they bring when they bring the articles
3: to the Senate, because uh, right now we can see it's gotten too political. Mitch McConnell has rigged the thing. He's working in lockstep with the president. We got to cut that out. That's shortchanging <clears throat> we the people. That's uh, <clears throat> not allowing we the people to uh, come to uh, uh, to hear all the evidence, uh, so that we may be uh in uh, even if they don't uh uh remove this guy from office we the people deserve to hear all of the evidence uh uh about uh the articles uh that uh was uh, charged so that we might uh be better informed uh, as uh uh as a citizen uh, at the next election, we are being deprived information that we desperately need for our decision making at the ballot box. Here, you know, yeah, they're depriving us of knowledge of information that we need desperately need to make this, our own decision at the ballot box. Regardless of whether uh, they keep this guy in office or not, we need to hear all the evidence. We need to demand we need to demand that uh, witnesses and all documents related to this thing be brought forward in this trial so that uh, we the people we got to uh, be uh, um, informed. One of the things that, uh, hey, y'all, uh, welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. I'm just real rambling on. You got me, Hushmo, driving this train this evening. You know, our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. Sometimes, out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anybody out here on blog talk. You know? Yeah, we advocate to advocate for social justice on behalf of Americans, of African descent. Not because we're going to love everybody we do. Just by extension, we found ourselves advocating for that uh community Got a free call in one eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. We don't take many calls out here. We like to talk out at the audience we what we do we we uh decipher cipher things that try to uh, make sense of things that uh, just don't make no sense and right now this whole impeachment thing uh as it uh is proceeding through um uh, the Congress is starting to uh, not make sense <laughs> at all. Uh it appears uh mean uh, just a commoner um uh, have no doubt that uh after listening to the House managers and one day of the president's defense, that uh, uh, this guy needs to be voted out. Uh, and in lieu of that not happening, we the people have to demand that a 28th Amendment is included in that Constitution to uh, clarify. Uh, and take away uh, some of the partisanship that uh, that's inherently uh, in uh, the impeachment process uh, now. Uh, the founders, the founders put it there, they, they had good intentions. There's no way for them to see 230 years in the future. There was no way for them to see or even imagine that uh, we'd have uh, such a... Uh, A person in that White House (laughs) like we have today, Uh, be that as it may, Uh, which is uh, uh, where we find ourselves today, uh, uh, is uh, with a president who has uh, uh, tyrannical leanings, a tyrant (laughs) leanings. Uh, what ty- ty- tyranny? Yeah, Webster defines tyranny as an arbitrary or unrestrained exercise of power. Despotic abuse of authority. That, that's that's pretty close to where uh, uh, the current president is at, yeah? That's pretty close to what we've got here. Uh we, the citizens, <laughs> you know, we're the only one that uh, can really when it comes down to it check uh um uh, uh this uh type of behavior. Because the Senate, as we see the Senate has gotten so uh the Congress has gotten so partisan over the last two hundred and thirty years that uh we can't
2: uh uh we can't uh, trust them along to uh provide the checks and
3: balances that uh that's in their constitution, which is another reason
2: why the framers wrote that constitution in a way where It can be amended. It can be amended.
3: And right now, we're at a point in our our country's history where we desperately need to amend the impeachment process. We have to have the impeachment clause in that. That has to remain in the Constitution. But we have got, we can see right now, with just looking at this Uh, The impeachment of Donald John Trump shed light on some glaring holes (laughs) in that process. Some glaring holes, y'all, that uh, uh, doesn't allow that we the people have to... uh,
2: yeah, we the people have to uh,
3: uh, correct, and that's that's what I'm advocating for. That's what I will be advocating for going forward. A 28th Amendment,
2: because I don't, I don't see no way that this president is going to be removed from office. And in my mind. He should be. And the only reason that he's not is
3: because of all of the partisan uh uh attitudes of uh the members of Congress that uh, that's at play. That's at play. And we have to take that out. We can't leave that to uh uh we can't leave uh 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 we have to take uh that out of uh, the process as best we can we can't you know there's always going to be uh, some somebody's going to come up with a way to uh get around some things but that constitution is pretty strong you all know? the constitution on its
2: face is pretty strong however however
3: uh, we there's, there has to be uh, some additives <laughs> some additions added in that constitution to uh
2: clarify that uh the impeachment process additions that take away as much of the partisan
3: uh uh aspects of it as we can. Hey, we the people uh, deserve it. We the people deserve it because uh, imagine what the Republicans uh, uh, who's in charge of the Senate, who's in charge of the trial is trying to do now. They're trying to put on a trial without witnesses, without calling evidence that we the people
2: desperately need uh, to hear. How can anybody uh, claim that this is a fair process,
3: and we don't have witnesses of all the evidence uh that uh, uh that's uh the prosecutors the house of uh, representatives has brought forth all of the of the two just the two articles uh, uh they we need to see. Uh, and hear from people like uh, uh, John Bolton, um, uh, Mick Mulvaney, uh, uh, Pompeo, the Secretary of State, uh, even Judy Giuliani. We need to haul this butt in there and put him on the oath right now. So so much, so much is coming out. <laughs> so much is coming out about this thing that, uh, uh, that we didn't know when the impeachment uh, thing started and when it uh uh, uh and since this, uh ended since the trial started so much stuff has come out since then that uh this is this is really scary you uh, this is really really scary uh but uh so we 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 hey get on the phone and call your senators and tell them. Call them tonight. Start making calls to your senator tonight telling them demanding from them that we uh call all witnesses that we the people uh have access to all of the documents uh and relevant uh uh information before uh this trial is wrapped up, regardless of how they intend to vote. I don't care how they vote. I uh, we the people, me as a citizen, I need to, I need, we need that information so that we can make a, a better informed decision come November 5th, y'all. We the people, we need that information so that we can make a better informed decision. Who would be against that? What ce- a citizen would be against that? What senator would be uh, against educating the electric uh, to their uh, uh, fullest uh, uh, extent uh, in order for them to make a more informed decision when when we go to elect our next next president. Who would be against that? So, yeah, get on the phone and call your senators, y'all. It makes a difference. It'll make a difference. I wish everybody. We got two senators here in Georgia, Purdue and uh what's the other guy's name? I, you know, it's a shame, you know, <laughs> that uh the quality. Uh well, the female senators that the uh governor just appointed to take uh Johnny Isaacson's uh seat here in Georgia. Get on the phone and send them emails, y'all. They might not, you might not reach them personally, but they got uh, they got a uh, uh, a recording set up there so that they know <laughs> you call and they know how you feel. You'll, they'll uh, record how you feel about it. Uh, we, the people, we need witnesses and information. We don't care how the Senate. This is too much. It, we already know this. This thing is cooked. This thing is cooked, y'all. Yeah. This is the biggest. Uh, <laughs> this thing is rigged. Uh, it's rigged against. Uh, uh, well, we, we the people is the one that's uh, being hurt here because we're uh, 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 denied. We we uh, will be denied our ability uh, to uh, to get information to get relevant information that we need uh, to make an uh, informed decision at the ballot box. It's critical. It's critical that we get this information. Yeah. Yeah. It's critical. Hey, y'all welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum.
2: Uh, you got me Hushmo uh, drive this train this evening. Yeah, we, uh, Feel uh, pretty adamant about uh, uh, this
3: uh, position here. So we're going to be advocating for a 28th amendment. If it does nothing else, it's going to curtail the partisanship that's involved in the uh, impeachment process. Right now, we got to get that. We got to get it out of there. We got to get it out as much as we can because, like I said, it's denying. We the people, uh, information that would make us much more uh, uh, educated about uh, uh, who uh, we're going to be casting a vote for in about nine months. That's not too much to ask. That's not too much to ask. So, yeah, we... uh, Hey y'all, welcome to the Hushmore Black Forum. We're, we're going to take a short pause here. Uh, it's about, uh, what is it? Uh, I've been rubbing on here, y'all. It's almost 25 after 7 in the ATL, Yeah, We've got to take a quick pause for the calls, y'all. Y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. You got me, Hushmore.
1: Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmore Black Forum. Tell your friends about us, Saturdays.
3: Hey, welcome back to the high school uh black Forum, you yeah? we uh sorry we ran a little late right here we're trying to get uh, we're talking about uh, uh a twenty eighth amendment proposal that i put forward uh uh a couple of three weeks ago uh dealing with uh uh, uh clarifying uh the uh, uh clarifying uh how uh the impeachment uh um uh, process uh, should be carried out. Uh, uh, my main uh, reason for uh, uh, this uh, uh, 28th amendment proposal is to take uh, the partisanship out of it. Because right now, after we heard the House put on a powerful case, we heard uh, two hours of uh, the president's defense. They, they, you know, uh, uh, nothing about uh, the two articles that was put on, by the way, and it's completely partisan. So we want to take that out uh, in order for we, the people, to have uh, a little better uh, uh, access to the information so that regardless of how uh, the Senate votes, regardless of how they vote, whether they vote to uh, uh, remove this guy, whether they vote to uh, uh, keep him in there, we, the people, should have all the information so that – the next election, which coming, which is coming up in nine months, we the people will be better informed to make an educated decision on who we want to vote for. Do we want that's to vote a, for a tyrant? Hey, we got you got uh, a, a call online here too, uh, Carla. What do you think about uh, uh, we the people? Uh, well, I got gaining access to, to information.
4: On. And one is well, on your eighth. twenty eighth your 28th Amendment. uh, Proposals. Your proposals. People Mm -hmm. who are working in areas of national security with sensitive information, they should not be testifying in that manner. They should not, because they will be revealing names of people that's involved in national security. It's under, uh, that's op-ed, so on and so on. So I'm totally Mm -hmm. against uh, that type of just like when Petraeus uh, had a pillow talk with his girlfriend or uh, regarding some national security issues, and during the Obama administration, he got fired. He shouldn't have been talking like that. So anyway, that's my position on that. But good luck with it. Now, I just want to say another thing. I hear people making these references about that white Americans are going to become a minority. In this country. All right? I don't know if you know it or not, but 97.6% of the wealth of the United States is held in white hands. 97.6%. And another thing, wait wait, wait, a minute.
3: Who don't, first of all, who don't know that? A lot of people don't know it. A lot of people didn't know who Adam Schiff was on Jeopardy. my audience my audience, is pretty well aware that uh, white America, regardless
4: of their percentage, make up – Well, let me finish. I bet wealth. they don't know this, though. <laughs> what? When whites become a minority, blacks' affirmative action disappears because it blacks already has. The affirmative – uh-uh. well it already me, has well let me, it, it already well, no, it's not you still got you still have blacks using furniture it right? already
3: has in nineteen sixty five in nineteen sixty five in the affirmative what? action uh that uh, was put down, you know who got ninety five percent of the money white females.
4: Well, listen, so they don't, just used affirmative okay. action at Harris Stowe College in St. Louis. 95% of Gosh, the affirmative action. I'm not going to say what I got to say. You said that twice. <laughs> now, let me finish what I got to say.
3: Go ahead, go ahead. What go ahead, call. Black I'm sorry.
4: Affirmative action for blacks and even you got other minorities that's using the tool, it too would no longer be because whites are no longer. A minority. It's going to disappear. I just want to put that out there. Okay, put it out there because uh, it never occurred.
3: When they when they uh, uh, put the affirmative actions uh, laws in in 1965, they created nine different groups that go along with Americans of African descent. That's because your leaders, female, whatever, whatever the reason. Now listen, your leaders, your leaders
4: asked for that.
3: No, no. Well, let me tell you what happened in the city of St. Uh, Louis. In the city of St. Louis, hang on on. for a second. Let me tell you what I
4: experienced. Let let me tell you what I experienced.
2: I don't know if you've ever experienced these
4: things, but in the city of St. Louis, in the city of St. Louis, the school district, St. Louis Public School District Board, enacted minority hiring based on affirmative action. They said it has to be at least 35%. The city of St. Louis, oh. through the efforts of the comptroller, Vervis Jones sued the city of St. Louis because he said that black contractors' bids was being tore up and thrown in the trash can. Therefore, they set affirmative action goals at, I believe it was 25 and 30, but I'm not sure. But now that's, and you know, at Harris Stowe -Stowe College in St. Louis, which is a historical Mm -hmm. black college, used to be the old Bashan High School where Maxine Waters, was it Maxine? No, it was uh, Tina Turner, where Tina Turner graduated from. Mm -hmm. They was using affirmative action to uh, place black clerical workers ahead of white. And one white woman, sued and won a five million dollar lawsuit from Harris, Stone. You can look that up on Google. But anyway, when that happened, blacks no longer have affirmative action because there ain't no white majority. Whites are a minority. I just wanted to put that out there, but, Tough hustler. Okay. Okay okay. Now And okay. good luck with your twenty eighth amendment.
3: Okay. How are we I'm coming along with the
4: reparations?
3: Uh pretty good. Pretty good. I mean it's moving. It's in a uh, public uh, uh, conversation. And that's what All right, well, Let me know people, when I can start are, going out and making big purchases. People are talking purchases. about it. People are talking mm-hmm. about it. You're talking about it. You just brought it up. I appreciate you bringing that up too. Cuz yeah, the let more me people know, that huh? bring it up, the more people <laughs> that bring it up and talk about it, the further it moves along and I appreciate that from you.
2: Hey, okay. Let I me know you, let
3: me
4: know, uh, know when I can go out and make my big purchase.
2: <laughs>
4: Do it now. All right. Hey,
2: I'll talk hey, to you, hey, you we'll later. Talk to you later. Thank you. Be careful now. Bye-bye. Uh, you know, the 1965 affirmative action, y'all. This just just the call,
3: of, uh, it's just call to did uh Bring up affirmative action. What happened was uh, after the civil rights uh, uh, marches and all that crazy stuff. This is after Brown versus Board of Education went down in 1954. Uh, when we should have uh, petitioned that court for financial reparations, that didn't happen for various reasons. Uh, even the civil part of that uh, uh, band uh that set aside uh, Plessy the uh, Jim Crow laws that were colli- that was codified uh in the uh, Plessy versus Ferguson case in eighteen ninety six. Uh, Brown v. Board of Education in 1954 uh, set all that aside. Uh, the injuries that had been caused by uh, the hundred years of uh uh Plessy uh, uh, injured uh, America's rapid to no end financially uh uh uh, causing them uh to this day uh causing there to be a uh a discrepancy uh that the last caller was talking about and uh uh economic equity in this country to this day that's why he could say that uh the white majority controlled ninety seven percent of the finances of the country yeah because a reason there's a reason for that you know The reason is uh, the Jim Crow uh, uh, laws that was put in place uh, in this country after the Civil War that uh, uh, harmed or injured uh, Americans of African descent for 100 years after the Civil War, Uh, no doubt. There's no doubt about it now. I'm not uh, blind to the fact that even without those uh, uh, laws, injurious uh, uh, Jim Crow uh, uh, discriminatory laws, we still to this day probably wouldn't be nowhere close to uh, equal uh, in financial uh, 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 power, but we'd be a lot better off, yeah. Without those laws being in place that injured us, that kept us out of the workplace, out of the education place, out of civil society. Society for a hundred something years after uh, the Civil War went down, we'd be a lot better, uh, uh, we'd be in a lot better place today without those laws, y'all. So don't tell me about uh, uh, the disparity in income. Hell, I knew it. I know the reason why there's a disparity, such a vast disparity to this day. Uh, but anyway the affirmative lo- uh laws that uh, was put in place in eighteen sixty five uh nineteen sixty five was kind of a backhanded way of uh uh, uh disguising uh some form of a reparation there by uh uh and, and, and what happened after uh, looking back to nineteen sixty some fifty years later uh you, we can see that uh uh White ladies. I ain't got nothing against white ladies. But they got 75% of the affirmative action dollars that's been doled out since 1965. Because they was classified as a minority. They was classified as a minority, just like uh, me and uh, 15 million other Americans of African right said in 1965. They <laughs> was classified as a minority. Along with the Hispanics along with the the Chinese, along with the Jews and they created about fifteen different minorities to break up to divvy up that uh the affirmative actions dollars that's been passed out in this country that the Jim Crow laws didn't injure <laughs> the Jim Crow laws didn't injure uh uh uh, to the extent that, uh, America's backwardness was injured by them. Uh, so yeah, we, but right now we're talking about, uh, the impeachment of, uh, the 45th president, you all know, president Donald John Trump. Uh, I hope like, y'all been watching, uh, uh, this, uh, the trial and all, cause it, it's really crazy. Uh, But I am so proud of uh, the house managers. The house managers have did an excellent, uh, excellent uh, job of uh, of putting this thing on. I am really proud of the job that those house managers have done. From Adam Schiff to Keem Jeffries to Val Demmey's to... uh, you know, it's just amazing, uh, uh, the quality of, uh, some of our, uh, politicians, you know, it gave me, uh, a little hope in that, uh, uh, we do have some capable, uh, people up there. We just got to, uh, weed out the ones that, uh, that, uh, shouldn't be there. We just got to weed some of them out and, uh. I'm gonna
2: take another pause for the calls right here, y'all. Let's uh, uh tyranny. Uh, Timothy
3: Schneider wrote a little book on tyranny, uh, I'm gonna let you listen to a little of it. It's uh, such a powerful, powerful uh, a read on uh what happens when the citizen tree uh what happens when the citizen tree fall asleep and we get someone in there who's inclined to uh who's inclined with tyrannical uh
2: least (laughs) Instruction.
5: Lesson one. Do not obey in advance.
3: Let's go back. Hold up. Let's go back to the prologue. I just want, yeah, let's go go back to the prologue. Because I I think the prologue is uh,
5: important. History does not repeat, but it does instruct. As the Founding Fathers debated our Constitution, they took instruction from the history they knew. Concerned that the democratic republic they envisioned would collapse, they contemplated the descent of ancient democracies and republics into oligarchy and empire. As they knew, Aristotle warned that inequality brought instability, while Plato believed that demagogues exploited free speech to install themselves as tyrants. In founding a democratic republic upon law and establishing a system of checks and balances, the Founding Fathers sought to avoid the evil that they, like the ancient philosophers, called tyranny. They had in mind the usurpation of power by a single individual or group, or the circumvention of law by rulers for their own benefit. Much of the succeeding political debate in the United States has concerned the problem of tyranny within American society over slaves, and over women, for example. It is thus a primary American tradition to consider history when our political order seems imperiled. If we worry today that the American experiment is threatened by tyranny, we can follow the example of the Founding Fathers and contemplate the history of other democracies and republics. The good news is that we can draw upon more recent and relevant examples than ancient Greece and Rome. The bad news is that the history of modern democracy is also one of decline and fall. Since the American colonies declared their independence from a British monarchy that the founders deemed tyrannical, European history has seen three major democratic moments. After the First World War in 1918, after the Second World War in 1945, and after the end of communism in 1989, many of the democracies founded at these junctures failed in circumstances that, in some important respects, resemble our own. History can familiarize and it can warn. In the late 19th century, just as in the late 20th century, the expansion of global trade generated expectations of progress. In the early 20th century, as in the early 21st, these hopes were challenged by new visions of mass politics in which a leader or a party claimed to directly represent the will of the people. European democracies collapsed into right-wing authoritarianism and fascism in the 1920s and 1930s. The Communist Soviet Union, established in 1922, extended its model into Europe in the 1940s. The European history of the 20th century shows us that societies can break, democracies can fall, ethics can collapse, and ordinary men can find themselves standing over death pits with guns in their hands. It would serve us well today to understand why. Both fascism and communism were responses to globalization, to the real and perceived inequalities it created, and the apparent helplessness of the democracies in addressing them. Fascists rejected reason in the name of will, denying objective truth in favor of a glorious myth articulated by leaders, who claimed to give voice to the people. They put a face on globalization, arguing that its complex challenges were the result of a conspiracy against the nation. Fascists ruled for a decade or two, leaving behind an intact intellectual legacy that grows more relevant by the day. Communists ruled for longer, for nearly seven decades in the Soviet Union and more than four decades in much of Eastern Europe. They proposed rule by a disciplined party elite with a monopoly on reason that would guide society towards a certain future according to supposedly fixed laws of history. We might be tempted to think that our democratic heritage automatically protects us from such threats. This is a misguided reflex. In fact, the precedent set by the founders demands that we examine history to understand the deep sources of tyranny and to consider the proper responses to it. Americans today are no wiser than the Europeans who saw democracy yield to fascism, Nazism, or communism in the twentieth century. Our one advantage is that we might learn from their experience. Now is a good time to do so. This book presents twenty lessons from the twentieth century adapted to the circumstances of today. Lesson one Do not obey in advance. Most of the power of authoritarianism is freely given. In times like these, individuals think ahead about what a more repressive government will want and then offer themselves without being asked. A citizen who adapts in this way is teaching power what it can do. Anticipatory obedience is a political tragedy. Perhaps rulers did not initially know that citizens were willing to compromise this value or that principle. Perhaps a new regime did not at first have the direct means of influencing citizens one way or the other. After the German elections of 1932, which permitted Adolf Hitler to form a government, or the Czechoslovak elections of 1946, when communists were victorious, the next crucial step was anticipatory obedience. Because enough people in both cases voluntarily extended their services to the new leaders, Nazis and communists alike, realized they could move quickly towards a full regime change. The first heedless acts of conformity could not then be reversed. In early 1938, Adolf Hitler, by then securely in power in Germany, was threatening to annex neighboring Austria. After the Austrian Chancellor conceded, it was the Austrians' anticipatory obedience at the side of the fate of Austrian Jews. Local Austrian Nazis captured Jews and forced them to scrub the streets to remove symbols of independent Austria. Crucially, people who were not Nazis looked on with interest and amusement. Nazis who had kept lists of Jewish property stole what they could. Crucially, others who were not Nazis joined in the theft. As the political theorist Hannah Arendt remembered, when German troops invaded the country and Gentile neighbors started riots at Jewish homes, Austrian Jews began to commit suicide. The anticipatory obedience of Austrians in March 1938 taught the high Nazi leadership what was possible. It was in Vienna that August that Adolf Eichmann established the central office for Jewish immigration. In November, 1938, following the Austrian example of March, German Nazis organized a national pogrom known as Kristallnacht. In 1941, when Germany invaded the Soviet Union, the SS took the initiative to devise the methods of mass killing without explicit orders to do so. They guessed what their superiors wanted and demonstrated what was possible. It was far more than Hitler had thought. At the very beginning, anticipatory obedience means adapting instinctively, without reflecting to a new situation. Do only Germans do such things? The Yale psychologist Stanley Milgram, contemplating Nazi atrocities, wanted to show that there was a particular authoritarian personality that explained why Germans behaved as they had. He devised an experiment to test the proposition, but failed to get permission to carry it out in Germany. So he undertook it instead in a Yale University building in 1961, at around the same time that Adolf Eichmann was being tried in Jerusalem for his part in the Nazi Holocaust of the Jews. Milgram told his subjects, some Yale students, some New Haven residents, that they would be applying an electrical shock to other participants in the experiment about learning. In fact, the people attached to the wires on the other side of a window were in on the scheme with Milgram and only pretended to be shocked. As the subjects thought they shocked the people they thought were participants in a learning experiment, they saw a horrible sight. People whom they did not know and against whom they had no grievance seemed to be suffering greatly, pounding the glass and complaining of heart pain. Even so, Most subjects followed Milgram's instructions and continued to apply what they thought were ever greater shocks until the victims appeared to die. Even those who did not proceed all the way to the apparent killing of their fellow human beings left without inquiring about the health of the other participants. Milgram grasped that people are remarkably receptive to new rules in a new setting. They're surprisingly willing to harm and kill others in the service of some new purpose, if they are so instructed by a new authority. I found so much obedience, Milgram remembered, that I hardly saw the need for taking the experiment to Germany. Lesson two, defend institutions. It is institutions that help us to preserve decency. They need our help as well. Do not speak of our institutions, unless you make them yours by acting on their behalf. Institutions do not protect themselves. They fall one after the other unless each is defended from the beginning. So choose an institution you care about, a court, a newspaper, a law, a labor union, and take its side. We tend to assume that institutions will automatically maintain themselves against even the most direct attacks. This was the very mistake that some German Jews made about Hitler and the Nazis after they had formed a government. On February 2nd, 1933, for example, a leading newspaper for German Jews published an editorial expressing this mislaid trust. We do not subscribe to the view that Mr. Hitler and his friends, now finally in possession of the power they have so long desired, will implement the proposal circulating in Nazi newspapers. They will not suddenly deprive German Jews of their constitutional rights nor enclose them in ghettos, nor subject them to the jealous and murderous impulses of the mob. They cannot do this, because a number of crucial factors hold powers in check, and they clearly do not want to go down that road. When one acts as a European power, the whole atmosphere tends towards ethical reflection upon one's better self and away from revisiting one's earlier oppositional posture. Such was the view of many reasonable people in 1933, just as it is the view of many reasonable people now. The mistake is to assume that rulers who came to power through institutions cannot change or destroy those very institutions, even when that is exactly what they have announced that they will do. Revolutionaries sometimes do intend to destroy institutions all at once. This was the approach of the Russian Bolsheviks. Sometimes institutions are deprived of vitality and function, turned into a simulacrum of what they once were, so that they gird the new order rather than resisting it. This is what the Nazis called Gleichschaltung. It took less than a year for the new Nazi order to consolidate. By the end of 1933, Germany had become a one-party state in which all major institutions had been humbled. That November, German authorities held parliamentary elections without opposition and a referendum on an issue where the correct answer was known to confirm the new order. Some German Jews voted as the Nazi leaders wanted them to in the hope that this gesture of loyalty would bind the new system to them. That was a vain hope. Lesson three, beware the one party state. The parties that remade states and suppressed rivals were not omnipotent from the start. They exploited the historic moment to make political life impossible for their opponents. So support the multi-party system and defend the rules of democratic elections. Vote in local and state elections while you can. Consider running for office. Thomas Jefferson probably never said that eternal vigilance is the price of liberty, but other Americans of his era certainly did. When we think of the same today, we imagine our own righteous vigilance directed outward against misguided and hostile others. We see ourselves as a city on the hill, a stronghold of democracy, looking out for threats that come from abroad. But the sense of the saying was entirely different, that human nature is such that American democracy must be defended from Americans who would exploit its freedoms to bring about its end. The American abolitionist Wendell Phillips did in fact say that eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. He added that, The manna of popular liberty must be gathered each day or it is rotten. The record of modern European democracy confirmed the wisdom of those words. The 20th century saw earnest attempts to extend the franchise and establish durable democracies. Yet the democracies that arose after the first world war and the second often collapse when a single party sees power in some combination of an election and a coup d'etat. A party emboldened by a favorable election result or motivated by ideology, or both, might change the system from within. When fascists, or Nazis, or communists did well in elections in the 1930s or 1940s, what followed was some combination of spectacle, repression, and salami tactics, slicing off layers of opposition one by one. Most people were distracted, some were imprisoned, and others were outmatched. The hero of a David Lodge novel says that you don't know when you make love for the last time, that you are making love for the last time. Voting is like that. Some of the Germans who voted for the Nazi Party in 1932 no doubt understood that this might be the last meaningfully free election for some time, but most did not. Some of the Czechs and Slovaks who voted for the Czechoslovak Communist Party in 1946 probably realized they were voting for the end of democracy, but most assumed they would have another chance. No doubt the Russians who voted in 1990 did not think that this would be the last free and fair election in their country's history, which, thus far, it has been. Any election can be the last, or at least the last in the lifetime of the person casting the vote. The Nazis remained in power until they lost a world war in 1945, the Czechoslovak communists until their system collapsed in 1989. The Russian oligarchy established after the 1990 elections continues to function and promotes a foreign policy designed to destroy democracy elsewhere. Does the history of tyranny apply to the United States? Certainly the early Americans who spoke of eternal vigilance would have thought so. The logic of the system they devised was to mitigate the consequences of our real imperfections, not to celebrate our imaginary perfection. We certainly face, as did the ancient Greeks, the problem of oligarchy, ever more threatening as globalization increases differences in wealth. The odd American idea that giving money to political campaigns is free speech means that the very rich have far more speech, and so in effect far more voting power than other citizens. We believe that we have checks and balances, but have rarely faced a situation like the present, when the less popular of the two parties controls every lever of power at the federal level, as well as the majority of state houses. The party that exercises such control proposes few policies that are popular with the society at large, and several that are generally unpopular, and thus must either fear democracy or weaken it. Another early American proverb held that, where annual elections end, tyranny begins. Will we, in retrospect, see the elections of 2016 Much as Russians see the elections of 1990, or Czechs the elections of 1946, or Germans the elections of 1932, this, for now, depends upon us. Much needs to be done to fix the gerrymandered system so that each citizen has one equal vote and so that each vote can be simply counted by a fellow citizen. We need paper ballots because they cannot be tampered with remotely and can always be recounted. This sort of work can be done at the local and state levels. We can be sure that the elections of 2018, assuming they take place, will be a test of American traditions. So there is much to
2: do in the meantime. Lesson four, take responsibility. Hey, y'all, that was just uh,
3: the first three chapters of uh, "Own Tyranny by Timothy Snyder, y'all. Y'all picked that up. It's a short read, but very, very, very informative. Uh, And it uh, shed light on uh, where we are here in this country today, y'all. Hey, we the people have got to be uh, vigilant on uh, what's going on in this country. Now, that book was written, I, I believe, like 2017. He put it out. That's where he was talking about the elections of 2018. Of course, we know what happened in 2018, and uh, the people are, are, are pretty alert. They turned the Republicans out of that uh, House of Representatives, but we've we got to do more. We've got to do more, you yeah. We have got to do more because what's going on now uh, is uh, closer to some kind of cult. <laughs> hey, in a lot of ways, what we got in, uh, on the one side of that uh, uh, government is a cult, y'all. Yeah? We got to clean that thing up. We got to clean that up, yeah. We the people. Yeah. I uh what else going on? Wanna well, congratulate MSNBC. They've been doing a great job of covering uh the impeachment of uh Donald John Trump. They have been doing a great uh a great job on that, yeah. I uh the Grammys uh is coming. You know, I, I remember that time way back when when I wouldn't miss the Grammys, y'all. <laughs> they, the Grammys are going to be on, I believe, tomorrow. They got, uh, I don't pay any attention to it. I don't, you know, I anymore. Uh, the music is, the new music, and then just about past the Hush Mobile, y'all. I still like music, no doubt. There's a lot of stuff out there that I still, I still kind of get into. Well, I'm still old school, so I still like a lot of my old rhythm and blues and jazz and I, can, well, I can get in, a, get in a little bit of it all, though. Still, you know, I like some country. I like some rap. Getting some rap, you know I just don't, you don't have time to listen to it like a, well, any kind of music really. But in my car, I'm I got it on the Sirius, uh, uh uh, the uh, uh, the jazz station for the most part when I'm driving. Uh, that's what I'm listening to, and that's about all time I listen to music really. Uh, every once in a while, I mean, I got a music collection now, yeah, no doubt, you know, I used to have a closet full of albums, you know, I still got a ton of music, old old school stuff, so. but I, uh, uh, but the Grammys are coming up tomorrow, y'all check them out, y'all do that type of stuff, still, I, uh, like I said, I don't, uh, Follow them like I used to. I do like good creative artists. Uh, that's, yeah, we still got a lot of great, great uh, talent. Support Support the artists. I, I'm a big believer in uh, art. It's important. It plays a. Uh, I. Uh, positive part in our, in our, uh, society. Believe it or not, it does. I mean, there's this, uh, the assisted living program.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, uh,
3: Shout out to uh, my brother and his family in Ohio. Uh, our prayers out with them. They been uh, kind of kind of under the weather. You know, it's just life. And I prayers after them and uh, give a shout out to them up there. No. Hey, my Facebook friends, what's up? How y'all doing? Yeah. Uh, we all got in the Super Bowl. <laughs> but I, I think I told everybody LSU she was going to win that uh, college thing. That was a foregone conclusion. But uh, I'm going to have to go with Kansas City. I don't see 49ers. It would shock me if they. Somehow pull that thing off, but I like to say, I ain't got no dog in this hunt. I ain't got no dog in this hunt, y'all. I just believe that, uh, I just believe that, uh, Kansas City is a better team. I think they're a slightly better team.
2: The 49ers won, because I've
3: got a couple of players on the 49ers that I I kind of follow and root for. Kevin Coleman is one. played with the Falcons. So I'm a big Kevin Coleman fan. I wish him luck. Been extremely uh, impressed with Adam Schiff the lead manager in that impeachment trial, Adam Schiff and Hakeem Jeffries, all of them have been impressive. Just those two, that I want to uh, congratulate them on their performance, Adam Schiff and Hakeem Jeffries. But then, like I said, all of them has been extremely, extremely impressive. Yeah. We need more uh, politicians like those... Uh, Seven managers on that house, yeah. They uh really are some impressive uh, public servants, yeah.
1: We need more.
3: Like them. And wanna congratulate uh Nash and Pelosi, the speaker of the house, yeah. Nash is doing a great, great job, yeah. I want to commend Nancy Pelosi for, uh, first of all, for holding on to those impeachments for 30 days. That's about right. That's about the uh, right uh, amount of time they need to hold them and for things to calm down and see what else happens. The only disappointment is in the Senate that they did not miss McConnell has turned out to be a uh, somewhat of a demagogue in my mind. Yeah, because don't don't forget that he held up Myrick uh, Myrick, uh, Garland for a whole year. He didn't even bring that guy uh, to the uh, floor for a vote on uh, uh, getting him on the Supreme Court. The uh, citizens of Kentucky should have kicked Mitch McConnell out after that episode. That guy's not fit to be a leader of that Senate, Mitch McConnell that guy has to go. I don't know who's who's running against him, but I will be
2: sending a few dollars his way. I don't know who's running against Mitch
3: McConnell, but I'm going to be finding out they need all the support they can get because Mitch McConnell is not uh, serving the interests of the We The People. Not even in Kentucky. No, 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 uh-uh. no. He's not serving the interests of uh, the people of Kentucky. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Uh. Yeah.
2: I uh, it's getting kind of.
3: I don't know what is the weather doing here in the ATL. I I start to say it's getting kind of chilly, but it's winter, y'all. Yeah. It's supposed to be kind of chilly. It's January twenty
2: fifth, in the middle of winter. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but.
3: I got to try it. i one of my old golfing buddies got a tea time set for Monday. I don't know how that thing's gonna work out. I don't know how that thing's gonna work out oh, or what it's gonna be like uh come Monday. I mean, we'll get out if it's in the fifties. I take let's take a look at the weather here. What's gonna be we <laughs> we now we get out there year round here in Georgia, y'all. Here in ATL, we play golf year round. Now we're gonna get out there for <laughs> below fifty degrees, though, y'all. But one day last week we was out there. I think it was almost seventy degrees here in Atlanta. So we was out there for a day. You know, we try to at least pick one day out of a week to try to get out there. Normally we
2: play twice a week. Uh, we're trying to play twice a week, uh, uh so yeah, well that's my
3: I'm retired, yeah. I what kinda of handicap?
2: As uh, so I yeah, always try to try to Talk
3: about the Hushbones golf game. Yeah, I'm a hacker, y'all. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm a hacker. I ain't no shame in my game. I guess I'm going to know my handicap. I ain't handy. It ain't handy, I can tell you. It ain't very handy, I can tell you that. Uh, but we, uh, the thing I like about golf, though, is you can play it until you're 100. I mean, without too much stress, especially when you're swinging that much. <laughs> especially when you have a, a swing speed like the Bowl. <laughs> yeah, Oh, It ain't that fast, I can tell you that. But, uh, yeah, as long as you just take your time, you can play golf until you're 100. Y'all. Oh, that ball ain't, it's ghost ball. Well, ain't got to go far, but I mean, you want to try to move it down the line as best you can in a straight line. Move it down the uh, fairway somewhat of a straight line. you would be all right. I mean, you know, somebody my age ain't going to hit the ball that far, but... You're putting. I mean, you can
1: putt good for
3: quite a while now. You still got to... <laughs> You got to get that ball in the hole, y'all. I'm dangerous when I get on the green. I'm going to tell you that right now. Oh, yeah. I'm dangerous when I get on that green, y'all. I don't know what's wrong with my weather forecast. What's going on here, y'all? What's up? Am I? I
2: don't know what's going on. Yeah. With my, uh, the Des Moines Register
3: endorses Elizabeth Warren for president. I guess that's a pretty big get, yeah. You know, I don't know. Washington Post editorial board issues ominous impeachment warning to GOP sentences. And Trump. I believe that it says here that uh, the Washington Post editorial board has warned that the evidence Democrats have presented in the Senate impeachment trial of Donald Trump over the Ukraine misconduct
5: will eventually
3: catch up to the president and Republican senators, whether they ignore it or not. In an editorial published Friday, the board said Representative Adam Schiff and his co-house impeachment managers that laid out the hard evidence to the GOP-controlled Senate that Trump used presidential powers to pressure Ukraine into announcing investigations that would aid his reelection campaign and that he engaged in unprecedented obstruction of Congress' subsequent investigation. Mr. Shipp pointed out that whether or not GOP senators demand relevant testimony and documents during the trial, more facts will eventually come out. It concluded those who choose now to disregard the evidence against mister Trump and obey and abet his obstruction will be reduced to watching in the months and years to come as a case against him
5: and against
3: their abdication of constitutional duty grows steadily stronger. And I concur with the Washington Post editorial
2: board. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. This is old news, yeah.
3: Yeah. Hey, uh, we, um. Uh, where are we at here? It's about, uh, oh, our time is flying right along here, yeah. It's about, uh, what time is it? It's about 20 minutes after the, the hour of 8 o'clock, yeah. Uh, we, uh, uh Let's see what's going on in the NBA, y'all. I haven't watched a NBA game all the way through this year, y'all, but uh I'm a I'm a Hawks fan, but um, they've got a good young team that's just missing a few pieces. Just got a few uh pieces we need. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, one thing about that NBA. You got, you got your dominant players all stacked on a couple of three teams. And I don't know what they're going to do about that. It seemed like to me something's got to be done. Something got to be done. You got the, uh, Um, Coco Golf. Serena Williams out of the Australian Open yard in the third round. Oh. She did win a tournament down there while she was in Australia. Some good came on that
2: trip. That's a long trip. hmm.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I'm impressed with Coco Oh, She's only 15, but uh, looks like she's going to be the next Serena and uh, Venus Williams type player. Uh, she's on tough by age, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with her. She beat Venus again in the uh, first round. Yeah, uh. uh, yeah. She's in she's on to uh what, the fourth round? Yeah, She's on to the fourth round. She done beat, uh, she beat Osaka. That was a good match, yeah. Oh, she ain't no joke. Yeah, so. I'm rooting for you. Oh, you know, I'm always going to be rooting for them. Yeah. That's just my nature. That's what we do out here on the Black Forum, by the way. <laughs> we advocate for social justice on behalf of America's background descent. Not because we don't love everybody, we love everybody, yeah. Love is important. We uh, advocate for that group by extension. Yeah, I'm uh, part of that community, y'all. Yeah. So, you know, who, if I don't root for that group, who's going to root for If I don't root for myself, who's going to root for me? If I don't advocate for myself, who's going to advocate for me, y'all? Yeah? So, it's like that. Hey, y'all, uh, it's, uh, what, 825? Take a quick pause for the calls. Y'all wanna hear some more of uh security? Should I put on another little uh read from there? We uh, I don't I don't know what's going on what's going on in the uh golf thing there, y'all. Anybody know? Tigers tiger got off there pretty good. I don't know if he what happened. Where is he at now? He's seven under, so he read, uh he fired back Rom and I took over Rom and Rom is seven under today. Wow. What did Tiger do today? Tiger was three under, but he was 3 under
2: through nine. He shot sixty nine
3: today. Nah, He's seven under, this, uh. five back. You gotta make a heck of a charge. You gotta make a heck of a charge tomorrow. Mm, two, three, four, two behind, Rory.
2: Ram mm. shot a
3: 65. Yeah. yeah, Tiger started out. He, he, he faded under the back nine a little bit because he was three under at the turn. Like the back nine even. Mm hmm. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick pause for the calls here. You got me, Hushmore. Grab the string. We'll be right back and uh, wrap this thing up.
1: Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmore Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace. Welcome back.
3: Welcome back to the National Black Forum. Hey, it's just about uh eight thirty five here in the ATL, yeah. We coming down to getting down to cases here, yeah. I was just checking the sports page out. You know the uh they got another scandal in baseball, you know? They got another scandal in baseball. Every couple of years, you know, they come up with this, some kind of scandal, whether it's steroids or gambling or now it's still in science. <laughs> uh, hey, a couple of people ain't got fired, yeah. Oh, this is serious stuff. A couple of folks done got fired. A couple of managers done got fired as a result of this thing. Uh seems as though the Houston Astros, which was right at the forefront of this thing when they won that World Series a couple of years back over the Dodgers,
2: uh, they done uh, were still insane. Yeah, they were still insane. Now. Uh,
3: that's not a new phenomenon. they've been still signs in baseball since the, since the game was invented you know they they people talking all this crazy stuff, but they've been still insane uh what make it a little different now is technology It's technology you got people recording stuff with cell phones taking pictures from halfway across the stadium. <laughs> Zeroing it in on the catcher and relaying it. To, somebody even had a cell phone taped to their chest, uh, chest <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm just saying, y'all. Now, it's been going on a long time, but, I mean, come on, y'all. Y'all y'all getting too serious with this game. Let's, let's just play a fair game. I mean, if you go cheat on... Let's ban all uh, electronic forms of cheating. Now, let's do that. Just cheat uh, the way you always cheated before you had all this technology. And we're going to cheat. Let's cheat the old-fashioned way,
2: y'all. That's what I say. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, let's take it serious. Oh, that guy's a joke. Mike Pompeo,
3: that guy's a serious joke, yo.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: That administration has, has turned into a real joke you guys come up with the black sea find the black sea you're going to find Ukraine wow wow What is that about, yeah? that much to do about nothing?
0: Here, fellow at the Brookings Institution, who I've just renamed. Um, Ben, I'm going to go to you first, because you're at the disadvantage of not being here with us at the table. Well, first of all, very quickly, the Atlantic wrote a piece of why Americans um, believe Mary (laughs) Louise Kelly, why journalists believe Mary Louise Kelly. And this is what the Atlantic wrote, the stupid, completely implausible dig against Kelly shreds Pompeo's credibility in two ways. First, it asks us to believe that Kelly, a better informed correspondent, knows less geography than an attentive high school social studies student. Second, by applying this lie rather than stating it, Pompeo sounds exactly like the type of coward who would find that he had been wronged to shirk responsibility for his unforced errors. And I, I go to you on this because you've actually corresponded with this man and kind of have seen the way he is. There was a letter that, that he said to you um, on CIA letterhead, to Ben with it and it said, it, it, it enjoined that you should have been better than that for something he didn't like that you said. and says I hope that you will try the fun recipe that I also included in the workforce message is my mother's recipe. and She loved the others, enjoyed it during the holidays. I mean, like he went out as mom's, what do you
5: make of this whole thing? Well, look, I, it was the most surprising response I have ever received <laughs> for, for, to a Freedom of Information Act request. It was a uh, a request that I sent to the CIA, and I got back a personal letter from the director uh, telling me I should have been better than to submit it, Uh, and very, I mean, it was a a very angry, prickly tone, Uh, and then at the end, it suggested that I try his grandmother's fudge (laughs) recipe, Uh, and so, you know, I, I think
3: but yeah they're just talking about Mike Pompeo. He went off on this g- journalist. That's going to be a tough job, you yeah? trying to interview some of these clowns that work uh at the White House and around that that group up there. That's one reporter Mike Pompeo called out for asking a question uh. The general, he's talking about he supported everybody at the State Department. She told him to point out the statement uh, where he publicly uh, supported uh, Maria Yanovich, the uh, ex ambassador of Ukraine, when uh, she, from what it all uh, appears, to have been threatened by the president of the United States, it appears that that ambassador there was threatened or certainly felt threatened by the actions of the president of the United States. And all she was doing was doing her job over there in Ukraine, a dangerous, dangerous uh, part of the world, for an ambassador. That's, hey, that's hard work, yeah. Hey, hey, now, it's one thing to be the ambassador of the EU or Japan or France
2: or, but you over there in Ukraine, or Benghazi or uh, Libya or somewhere like that.
3: That's dangerous, dangerous work, yeah. This lady had been on some of the most grueling uh assignments in a uh in her
2: career, uh, working at the State Department for the last thirty five years. This lady is uh and was removed because of this Cam that the president was running
3: uh, in Ukraine, uh, or trying to run. She was in the way. She was uh, one of the great uh, uh, fighters of corruption over there uh, for this country. She was on uh, worked on behalf of this government, trying to help this new fledgling democracy that it broke away from the uh, Soviet Union and uh was trying to adopt uh democratic government yeah but was seriously uh corrupt and their uh everything uh, this young nation was seriously influenced by russian uh, uh oligarchs and and was well, just a lot of corruption going on you know they had natural gas over there or something. Uh and uh it was just a crazy, crazy uh time over there. It was a dangerous time. But Russia invaded them, uh annexed part of the country. And she was their best over there.
2: I mean doing her best to uh uh
3: um, work on behalf of, of this government. Yes, yeah, lady's got a thirty five year history, of, and here come Donald Trump
2: and Rudy Giuliani and Mike Pompeo. It's crazy. It's crazy.
3: The president of the United States, actually threatened. What? It sounds like to me they got a recording of him um,
2: ordering, ordering this lady to be taken out. What what, is, what? what kind
3: of? What kind of person is this? Seriously, now this this is a president of the, of the United States talking to a bunch of uh people that did a dinner, uh, dinner at his Trump Hotel down in Washington. Lev punished. Uh or, orness, the uh guy who's been indicted, uh Rudy Giuliani's cohort that's been indicted. Uh the campaign uh uh he's a Ukrainian American citizen. Uh
2: he does work with Rudy Giuliani. Uh, who who knows who else he was
3: working for? He's tied up with some of those Ukrainian oligarchs that so we know that because this guy's got getting money all over the place. He gave $500,000 to Rudy Giuliani for something. We ain't figured that thing out yet. What did Rudy do with this money? <laughs> what and where... did this money go. Now, Mike Pompeo and uh, William Barr and the president is all trying to circle the wagon to keep Rudy from going under because Rudy got some dirt on the president. Well, at least I don't know that now. I said that because Rudy said it. I'll just repeat what Rudy said. Rudy said he got an insurance policy. They were trying to throw him under the bus. He got some insurance which in mob language... (laughs) mean that <laughs> you got some dirt on on this guy <laughs> Hey, and hey, don't forget Rudy was a prosecutor up there in the southern district of New York for some years alone a lot of years while Trump was uh, uh, uh beating everybody <laughs> and not paying people <laughs> and all that stuff so you know, i I would add he was mayor
2: of New York while Trump was doing the same thing so he's got He's got a lot of information on uh he's got a lot of information on uh the Domo.
3: I I you know, there's no doubt in my mind, Rudy know got a lot of information on the Domo that uh he called insurance. <laughs> so I don't know what it means. What is you say he got some insurance? Donald, they threw him under the bus like he's thrown everybody else under the that so far. So maybe, maybe there's something uh, too. uh, maybe there's something too what uh, Rudy is saying because <laughs> he's still around. I, what he do? I don't know.
2: <laughs> he said
3: he claimed to be the uh, president's personal lawyer, <laughs> he do not hold no government job. <laughs> he's running all over the world talking about he. Uh, uh, this, I heard this Republican senator talking about he Trump got some kind of campaign arm
2: you
3: know? <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> oh god this is, I don't know what he I don't think he I think he said he's working for free now what kind of attorney work for free he flying around all over the world for free <laughs> who paying it who buying buy an airplane ticket we well we know Trump ain't. We we know the president ain't buying nothing for nobody. So that's out. Rudy says he's doing this free. He's a president personal attorney. He's running around making deals for the government trying to say trying to get some foreign government to investigate an American citizen. <laughs> Uh, it, it just don't make no sense, y'all. Yeah. This whole thing don't make no sense. But it, like Nancy Pelosi said, all roads lead back to Vladimir Putin when it comes to Donald Trump, and I believe that. I believe that to be the case, y'all. Yeah. When we get to the bottom of this thing here, we're gonna find out that all this has to do with the president's ties to Vladimir Putin. Oh, that's gonna, it's gonna come out. Too much stuff is coming out now. It, that's gonna come out. Absolutely. That's what the Washington Post editorial folks was talking about. Sooner or later, all this stuff is gonna come out, y'all. You can't keep stuff like this. From the public, not forever, you can't. This stuff's coming out by the day. (laughs) This stuff is coming out by the day, y'all. Mm hmm. It's just a matter of time.
2: It's just a matter of time. Haskell got a birthday coming up, y'all. Yeah, age of Aquarius.
3: Oh yeah, I'm an Aquarian. February fourth. A couple of weeks away. Hey, uh, I ain't gonna tell you how long. I'm 39. That's what I'll be 39. Who's that? Stayed 39 for about 50 years. <laughs> Who's that Tony Bennett all one of those characters?
2: They stayed 39 for about 50 years. <laughs> I'm I'll be 39. I'd be thirty nine, yeah. I ain't gonna tell you all that. I'm gonna stay there, too. I'm gonna stay right there. Is that Lizzo's boyfriend? E-bro.
1: One. Her name is Lizzo. What's happening? What up?
2: Uh, he just told me to scream in his ear. So, um, Go ahead. Scream on. This- <laughs> Oh, that's one of these rap artists,
3: y'all. That's, that's got some kind of award going on for... That's got some kind of award domination for the... Uh, I kind of
2: like a couple of little pieces there. She's a, uh, the kind of... Full figured lady. Was she three, three, what, three twenty? Now I don't know how much that lady weighs.
3: I know she got a full figure. Three
2: hundred pounds. I, but well, three hundred pounds is full. <laughs> yeah, but well, no, she. Now she. I don't know. She, you know, she's a big lady. She's about three hundred pounds, Lizzie.
3: Lizzo, that's a stage name, Lizzo, L-I-Z-Z-O. Lizzo says she got a new man on the Minnesota Vikings. I, I, who, hey, <laughs> you, Viking friend, uh, friend, uh, uh
2: members out there, who, who kicking it with Lizzo? I, oh, somebody is now, yeah.
3: <laughs> hey, Lizzo got paper. Shoot, she, oh, she she get a man a cell phone. <laughs> she get the husband for if I wasn't so old. I can't do that. But Lizzo got paper. She ain't worried about no uh, finding no man. Shoot, anybody, a lady with money, no a man don't care about what. You know, somebody for everybody. But if somebody with money, somebody with money ain't gonna have no problem finding a man or a or a partner. Hey, all these old rich men, they got all these uh, different young ladies and stuff. If you got money, they don't shoot. That ain't gonna be no problem, you yeah. That's just the way it is in the world. Mhm. That's just the way it is.
2: Yeah, I, uh, somebody was telling me about, uh, I was
3: talking this one
2: person was
3: telling me about, I
2: need to, uh, check out, uh,
3: Well, this one little country in Africa, I believe it was uh, Gabon? goodbye little West African country this guy picked, uh I was talking to a native uh from there. He was telling me that I need to go check that country out uh. Not in Sudan. I mean, somewhere in West Africa. Oh uh, no, and it was East Africa. It was East Africa because it went too far from Ethiopia. I do need to get to the continent. I think my next big trip. Where well, my DNA come from? Nigeria, y'all. the Yoruba folks. I, i'm gonna get i'm gonna get to lagos before it's over i wanna make it
2: my business to get to lagos yeah i've been in morocco been in north africa yeah i've
3: been in north africa and a couple of times in fact but I've never been to uh uh west africa where uh they drug so many uh, of uh, my ancestors out uh enslave them in the New World, y'all. Yeah. And that was, that, was, that, was, that, was it. Was Was it a New World or what? It says there's no New World. Says. But anyway, I gotta get there. The to West Africa, y'all. Yeah. Hey, y'all. We're just about coming up to the end of. Uh, this episode. We'll be back seconds. next week, February 1st. Not February. February what? Yes, the first. Next Saturday. February 1st, so uh, we'll be back same time, same station. Y'all be uh, good out there. And get involved, y'all. Get involved. Yeah. Uh, tell a friend about the Hushmill Black Forum, y'all. We come to you every Saturday from 7 to 9 over Blog Talk, y'all. that's going to do it for us, y'all. Until next week, ciao. We out of here.
1: The Hushmo Black Forum advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Forum www.blogtalkradio.com